0: Yate, my relatives. Hello, this is Mark Charles, and it is Sunday, July 30th, and I'm sitting here with – actually, it's not a cup of coffee. It's way too late in the day for a second cup of coffee. This is actually a glass of water. But um, I wanted to have a special episode of my second cup of coffee today because I have a, a very dear friend who I'm going to be speaking with whose name is Ray Miniacon. Uh, He is an Aboriginal pastor from Australia. He's done incredible work there among his people, working with the Stolen Generations and many other issues regarding the Aboriginal people of Australia, and I am absolutely thrilled to have him join me for a conversation today. But before I begin, I want to do as I always do, which is acknowledge that I'm speaking to you from the land of the Piscataway. Today we call this area Washington, D.C., but the Piscataway are the traditional hosts of these lands. And I want to honor the Piscataway as the host of the land where I'm living. I want to thank them for their stewardship of these lands. And I want to just thank them for and state how humbled I am to be living on these lands today. Um, I first met Ray about 20 years ago when he and I were in uh, at a meeting conference actually in, in Hawaii. It was called the World Christian Gathering on Indigenous Peoples. And there were people, Indigenous leaders from all over the world who had been gathering on a regular basis to talk, if we're going to be honest, about how to decolonize their faith, how to decolonize the gospel that was brought to them and understand it as Indigenous peoples. And it was a fascinating group to be a part of. I made many, many, many good and lifelong friends there. And Ray Minikan and his his wife and family are one of those groups of friends that I have from that time. And so I want to thank Ray for taking time to be with me today. And let me bring him on onto the screen right now. Ray, it is so good to see you. Um, it is about 830 or 835 in Sydney in Australia right now. But thank you for taking some time this morning to join me for uh,
1: my second cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, mate, it's so good to see you also again, even though it's uh, a couple of million pixels. <laughs> but the technology these days has been so in, uh, crazy and amazing for us to have this conversation like this. It's just, it's just It feels like you're in the room here. And so, look, thank you for the invitation, too. You're and, very uh, welcome. It's great. It's an honor to have you here. Oh, and like you have acknowledged country i i need to acknowledge that i'm on the gadigal people here of the eora nation in sydney uh, and i live in a little suburb called glebe and i'm from the cubby cubby people on my on my father's side and the goring people on my mother's side and we have also part part of the uh, my ancestry and my grandfather on my dad's side was taken from a little island called amber Island in the in benuatu in the Pacific Islands here, and there were 60,000 of our people from the South Pacific Islands who were uh, captured, brought over, my, my grandfather's brought over at 12 years old, into this country to build the sugar industry and, and, and other infrastructure in this country as slaves. They called it indentured labor, we call it slavery. Yeah. And so that's my ancestry. And uh, uh, look, I just wanted to make a declaration too for all of us Indigenous peoples. It's based on two High Court decisions in our country, but it seems so familiar and so powerful for us to understand who we are. And so here's the four declarations. One, I want to declare that all Indigenous peoples are entitled as against the whole world to possession, occupation, use and enjoyment of the lands of their ancestors. Two, I want to declare that all indigenous peoples are not outsiders or foreigners in their own lands. They are the descendants of the first peoples of their country, the original inhabitants, and they are to be recognised as such. Three, I want to declare that none of the events of invasion, settlement, federation, or the advent of foreign citizenship laws have displaced the unique position of indigenous peoples with their lands. And four, I want to declare that indigenous peoples have a unique connection to their country. It is just not ancestry or place of birth or even both. Indigenous peoples have a connection with the land, waters and skies under indigenous laws and customs. And no imposed citizenship act has removed or modified that connection. No parliament or foreign government has removed or modified that connection by any other laws or legislation. Ray, every time
0: I sit with you, I feel like I'm just being poured into with wisdom and and I'm so grateful for your life and for your voice. Um, there are any number of things that you and I could talk about, but. I want to start with the, decla- the four declarations you just stated here. Mm, mm, mm. Where where <laughs> did that come from? Like, where, where, was this something that was given to you? Was this something you've been working on? Where did those declarations come from? And and, and what, they're beautiful. I love, they're, they're things that need to be declared. Um, what's your motivation or, or what's your hope in even declaring
1: them like you just did publicly now? Well, actually uh, they come from two high court decisions here in Australia for Aboriginal people. One is called the Mabo decision, which overturned the whole notion of terra nullius that we did not exist. That's how they settled in our country here. or that's how they invaded. We did not exist. There were no people here, no inhabitants. Even though we threw stones and spears and boomerangs and everything else at them, shouted at them, jumped up and down, and told them to go home, <laughs> marched in the streets. So, what do we want? Land rights. <laughs> there was no recognition of who we are. It, it, it meant that we were supposed to be, under the proclamation uh, by James Cook back in 1780, or 1770, sorry. That we were british citizens and as you and i know if we were british citizens and this is the way in which they treat pretty citizens that who'd want to be a British citizen <laughs> yeah but let me read that mabo decision again because it's only one of the decisions that they made uh, uh towards the mabo decision and that that decision by the high court overruled the whole notion of terra nullius and it actually displaced the notion of crown land and so uh, the government had to come up with a new title. It really created a huge, big issue for the whole of Australia here, because uh, if you take away crown land, then who, then who owns the land and reverts back? And so uh, the the four things that are in this particular declaration that was made for the for the Miriam people up there in uh, in in the Torres Straits was. That declaration that all indigenous peoples are entitled against the whole world to four things possession occupation use and enjoyment of the lands of their ancestors and that's not the real wording i just modified that to suit this particular particular uh, to suit my purposes anyways because yeah. i think it covers all indigenous peoples but there's one word missing from that that the high court could not put into it it's not it, it's the best definition of sovereignty for any country and especially for indigenous peoples, but there's one word missing and the High Court could not put that particular word in it because it would undermine the their their role as a institution by the by the by the Parliament by the government. Uh, you know the separation of powers, but they still have to come under the the government's yeah. power, which means under the crown law um that word is defend that's the word that's missing yeah if you put those five words together occupation possession use enjoyment and defense of your country you've got the best definition of what sovereignty means and i think all indigenous peoples need to know what their sovereignty stands for and how to define that that the issues of sovereignty and i think that's uh true for indigenous peoples in in America as well as in Canada and South America and even in uh in in Europe Africa everywhere it is especially especially under colonization that's the first one the other the the other one that I read for you was another decision that was made where uh two young Aboriginal people were supposed to be deported from Australia back to New Zealand but they had Aboriginal ancestry and so they took the, their case to the High Court and then the High Court decided that they could not be deported because they don't come under the laws or, or the immigration laws <laughs> or the citizenship laws of this country. Because we wow. don't come under that. Yeah. And so those two particular decisions that was made by the High Court of Australia, yeah. So they're not my, my, my language but they are my language in another way, because that's what we've been fighting for. Yeah. Our recognition of our identity as indigenous peoples and our laws and our customs and our ancestry that goes back for millennia, as well as the notion that this is our land and that we have never ceded our sovereignty and we don't intend to. Yeah. And we don't have a, here in our country anyways, we don't have a treaty or we don't have any agreements whatsoever uh, of their uh, invasion of their country yeah, um, because they settled it under the notion of terra nullius. Well, in our country, we have treaties, but
0: our Supreme Court ruled even in 2020 that whenever Congress wants, they can break a treaty and there's no consequence for it with us. So <laughs> having mm. a treaty isn't necessarily a benefit when your government, your courts say, well, yeah, we have a treaty with you and the, Constitution says they're the supreme law of the land, but our Congress can break treaties whenever they want with you, and no one's going to hold them accountable to them. So, we have a <laughs> we have treaties, but they're not very
1: valuable, or they're not adhered to very strong yeah. in this land. Uh, and and that's a good point too, because if you look at the ways in which the these uh, colonized governments operate. Is that they use their own language and their own laws, and so yeah. when you got all, you know, in terms of your treaties, they put that inside a trust, which is a legitimate way of looking after, uh, you know, large amounts of people. Yeah. But then you're only a beneficiary; you're yeah. not the managers. Yeah. They are the be- they are the managers of the trust, and you're just the beneficiaries, and that's how trusts work. Yeah, and we we haven't yet woken up to the flaming laws of our invaders yet, and the laws that they use to govern us. Yeah, <laughs> and if you're a beneficiary, you don't have any rights. Yeah, because the managers say, "Well, you can have this whenever you want to." So, goodness gracious me, we've got a long way to go yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ray, as I said earlier, you and I could easily sit down here and talk for a long time. I want to acknowledge a few people who are on with us. Mr. Phil Fox is here today. He's a good friend. And thank you, Phil, for joining us from the lands of the Potawatomi and the Anishinaabe. We have uh, have, uh, Jordan here, who's uh, joining us. We have um, Harold, who is joining us from California. And Harold is also a great friend and good partner in this work. Thank you, all of you, for joining this conversation um, that I'm having today with Ray Miniacon. There's many other people online. We can't acknowledge everybody, but I'm grateful you could be here. Um, Ray, there's a lot of things that we want to talk about. And, <laughs> and when we sat down, and right, you and I could, I we spent like a weekend together just a few months ago, and I still feel like we've only begun to scratch the surface on stuff. But when I asked you what you want to make sure that you got across to in this in this conversation today you mentioned the the uluru statement from the heart Mm. um, which is something you're working on and that you've been a part of and i was wondering if you could just um educate us a little bit on what that is and and why you're you're investing so much time in that right now
1: oh look thank you for that mate look the uluru statement from the heart is a document that has uh, been produced by our people. It came under the uh, auspices of the former government, the Liberal Party government, uh, back in 2016, 2017, when they uh, invited the Aboriginal people to go and uh, consult with the Aboriginal people as to what we wanted. Uh, And in that particular, Time frame that they had, they went and they had a huge national <coughs> consultation process, <clears throat> and then after the consultation process in 2017, they met in at Uluru, which is the, you know, we the, the the English word is Ayers rock, but it's Uluru in our language. It's our sacred rock, right in the heart of the city. It's a huge, big rock, and it's got so much deep meaning for us. It's one of our greatest dreaming stories. It's one of our greatest sacred sites in the country um it, it's it's like westminster abbey for us um or you know <laughs> what what was that place the the pope lives in uh vatican the, the vatican to us yeah. <laughs> and so yeah that's that's our that's our vatican that's our sacred place that's our our temple and uh, we didn't build any of those other kind of temples or even even that this that to us, God had given us all of these laws and all of these places to acknowledge who he is as our creator. He just didn't give us a, uh, a building, a temple or a synagogue or whatever you other, other language that you want to put to anything that we build to try to say this is God's place. God's already placed these places in our land. Uh, and that's that's the big, huge, big difference. Yeah. And so the Uluru, Uluru Statement from the Heart came from that particular place when the people decided to meet out there and came up with this this statement. And in the statement, in very brief terms, it's only a one page document. But it just simply means that uh, what we want is three things uh, to take us forward as a peoples that we've always had in this country. One. Is a voice into parliament or voice in parliament, which we don't have. Two is a treaty, and three is truth telling. And so, they're the three things that we wanted. Uh, the macarata is what the, the word that we used in the language there the macarata uh, to it, it's a coming together after a struggle, it's a treaty process. And we've been wanting to do this. F- Well, ever since they came to the the doors, we wanted to have make sure that we had that kind of uh, uh, instrument to to, to say we need to have an agreement because every other nation, including the US, including Canada, uh, uh, all the uh, New Zealand, they all have some kind of agreement after a conflict. They made a treaty. Yeah. And I think you've got over 100 treaties in your country. There. <laughs>
0: over 400, actually. Yeah, we have a number of them. All of them have been broken, so I don't know what's the – but anyway, that's a whole other conversation.
1: Yeah, we're looking. We're looking. <laughs> we're observing. <laughs> yeah, and that's why we call it a macarata rather than a treaty, although people understand the word treaty. Uh, it's a coming together after a struggle. How do we make our agreements again? And in that in that process, we you'll notice in the uh, in the statement that there is no word like reconciliation in there. And when we mention the word sovereignty, it's a spiritual sovereignty. It's not someone where you can go in there and then and and take that sovereignty from somebody else, is uh, and then you start to make to recognize that sovereignty for us. It's already recognized. It's something that's already been here since time immemorial, like I read in those uh, decorations that I gave before. We've already have our sovereignty. We don't have to prove to anybody that we are a sovereign people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And that sovereignty, as it says there in, the, in, that, in that language there is between us and our land and, and sky and, and all the things that are in it. Uh, I mean, the thing is, is, Mark, you guys know this language and you just know this story. And we know that you fellows have been fighting for the same things. Yeah. Even though you've had some kind of thing called treaty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when, when you look at this, it, I think the comment you made earlier is so... Um, Crucial, where you were comparing it, the, 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 the holiness or the sacredness of the site, Uluru, to something a colonial mind would understand, Westminster Abbey or the Vatican, right, which are man-made institutions or buildings or something that was set up, and yet for us as Indigenous people or Aboriginal people, those aren't things that we build. They're things that were created. They're landmarks. They're places around us. Um, you know, Mr. Phil Fox in in the comment here, he said, "Yeah, for 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 the Lakota, this is um, say Hey Supa, which is the Black Hills, which is where they carved the faces of the genocidal presidents, you know, into that into that mountain, trying to to rec- take that those lands from the Lakota people." Um, And so, yeah, I think one of the things that I've mentioned frequently is as Indigenous people, as Aboriginal people, we have something that our colonizers desperately want, but they can't buy it, they can't steal it, and they can't take it from us. And that is legitimacy in this space, right? We get that legitimacy from our creation stories, Mm -hmm. for stories that tell us why we are in this area of this earth and how we are supposed to relate to creator Mm -hmm. and our colonizers, they don't have a creation. The only creation story they have is the one they co-opted from the book of Genesis, which isn't even their creation story. And then they Mm -hmm. say this creation story applies to everybody. And it's like, they don't even know that. And so because we have these stories We have a legitimacy that our colonizers can't steal. They can't buy. They can't purchase. They can't take it from us. And yet they desperately want it, which is that's why they're taking all these DNA tests, right? They want to find out where they're from and who they are. We don't have to take those tests as indigenous people because we know who we are from our stories, from our own lineages and all these other things. And so I, I like what you're saying about how, These are things defined for indigenous peoples that our colonizers can't define for us and nor can they take them away.
1: Yeah. And the English language doesn't have the capacity to actually give that recognition either. And that's the other part of this thing here. It hasn't got the capacity to even explore or explain those kind of concepts. The only way it can possibly do it and like I read from those declarations is through a legalized process. And when they do it, it depends upon whether the uh, the law of the land or the law of the people can explore or explain that and receive that. Because when I read that declaration, I know what it says. Yeah. And it, it goes deep, deep into my past, and into my ancestry, into my history, who I am. When I say I'm, a, I'm from the Kobe, Kobe people, I know who I am. I know where my mountain is. I know where my rivers are. I know that they call me home all the time. Yeah. And all, all of my totems and everything are, are there located in that land. My law is there, L-A-W as well as L-O-R-E. So it's there, it's sacred. It's, I, I can't get rid of it <laughs> unless I, you know, cut the umbilical cord myself. And Who'd want to do that? It'd be stupid to cut yeah. your umbilical cord from your mother. Yeah. Oh, that's suicide, really.
0: Right. we we don't have a whole lot of time here, but there's a few other things I want to make sure that we, we bring up. And when I saw you, I saw you in Michigan in January, and oh. you were there and you were sharing about your the history of your people and yeah. the colonization of your lands. You were sharing about your work to protect the sacred generations and to bring healing into that trauma. You were sharing about your own journey of of faith and how that's been shaped over the past few, many decades. And at the end of the session, you were asked a question that I think all of us as Indigenous peoples or Aboriginal people have been asked at some point. And I believe it was even a white person in the room who asked you this question. They said, Ray, you have shared all of these horrific stories about what the church and the Christian faith has done to, to your people and to your lands. And yet you still profess to be a Christian. They said, why are you a Christian? And your answer floored me. And I, I'd like to give you a chance to answer that question again, and then I'd like
1: to take a few moments to discuss it with you. Oh, okay. Oh, it's quite simple, really. It's because that's the religion of our invaders, of our colonizers. That's their religion. It's not our religion. And as we can see in terms of the histories of all nations, you know, if, if we were invaded by the Japanese, we'd be talking Japanese and we'd be following this into religion. If we were conquered by any of the Middle Eastern countries there, we'd possibly be Muslims now and following the Islam religion. So it's it's the conqueror's religion that we're following. But then when I investigated the conqueror's religion, I realized that that is not their religion anyways, but they have used that religion as a weapon to weaponize and control the people that they have invaded. And, that, and that's the same right throughout history, whether it be the, the British or, you know, the, the Babylonians invading Israel and taking them over and trying to make them all Babylonians. It's the same kind of story all the time. We can't get away from that story because that's their religion and that's the ways in which they do it. Uh, we have difficulties with that. We have difficulties with the notion of uh, Christianity or even being Christian we have difficulties with the notion of church because it's their instrument of power. And if you look further into it, it's a fascinating story because every democratic uh, constitution of every country has got a separation of powers between uh, church and state. And therefore the church or the, the state cannot can't overrule the power of the church, and we saw that just recently at the coronation of the king. The king can't put the crown on himself. He has the has to have the authority of God. So that's where the uh, the priest comes in and says, "Okay, now we give the authority to be the king <laughs> under God." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so that power is there all the time, and we have to recognise that as their power. But it's not, uh, it's not the biblical power because they don't dra- they don't derive their power from the Bible. Because the Bible is, it, it, it highlights the hypocrisy of that kind of power all the time. That's what Jesus fought against. He fought against the religious powers as well as the political powers, the and they both got got uh, came together and crucified him for it, killed yeah. him for it. And every time you got get out there into the streets and starts fighting for your rights is those two powers that you're coming against, the religious power as well as the political power, because they don't want to be unseated or, or, or disturbed in the ways in which they want to run the world.
0: One of the things you said when you were asked that question in January is you said exactly what you said, right? This is who colonized us. And... And if we were colonized by this group, we'd be that religion, or this group, we'd be that religion. And then you said something else. You said, but today I'm interrogating my faith. Yes. To find okay. out if this faith acknowledges me as fully human as an aboriginal. That's correct. Or yes. does it not? Yes. 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 Yes.
1: And also, to ha- yeah. Yeah. And and so that's Indigenous peoples, you know, in, in, in our journeys and our collective journeys with all my brothers and sisters throughout the throughout the world who've gone on this journey with us together, we've realised that we our story doesn't start in Genesis 1, Genesis 3, it starts in Genesis 1 with Bereshit uh, Elohim, in the beginning God. Uh, and that's it. I mean, even, even that word, I, I've even interrogated the word in the beginning. From an Indigenous perspective, because that in English it seems that there was a linear time frame, but Indigenous peoples don't have linear times. Our time is much more circular, it's much more holistic, it's much more different. And uh, if I were to use an English word, even in that word, to change the word in the beginning to say among the beginnings. Mm you would get a completely different understanding from an indigenous perspective because theres it's just not now in the beginning, but among all the beginnings
0: yeah
1: that God created. So it wasn't in the beginning God. God didn't start in the beginning. He started all these beginnings, <laughs> to put it another way. So inside the beginning. <laughs> I, we're I remember... We don't interrogate it in that particular way because we're speaking this stupid language called English. And we don't even question the stupid language we speak yeah. because we think it's the higher language. But if you look at the English language, it's the lowest form of communication between humans. When, <laughs> when you, when you answered that question,
0: I was I remember I was sitting in the front row listening to you. And I think when I heard you say what you said, my jaw just kind of dropped because I've never heard someone answer the question that honestly and that, that bluntly before. And it, it even opened my eyes to like, for, so for me, right, my, my grandparents were boarding school survivors. How did they survive the boarding school? They converted to their colonizers' language, to religion, right? They became Christians. And then my grandfather went on to work for the missionary for most of his adult life. And I realized my grandfather, because he was always under the auspices of the Western missionary, he never had the opportunity to interrogate his faith and to really put it on trial, as you said, does this faith acknowledge my humanity as an Aboriginal an Indigenous person? And... That blew me away because it helped me recognize that's actually what I'm doing, right? In in the book I co-authored with my good friend Sing Ra on Selling Truths, I'm interrogating the faith and the history of the Christian church. Yeah. I'm, I'm writing a book right now called Decolonizing Faith, which is Dang. even more in-depthly in interrogating this faith, it's putting it on trial. And your story, the thing that you said that just now with us today and when I heard you at Kelvin, that is going in probably to the introduction of my book because that's the framing. You gave me the framing for how to even articulate what it is that I'm trying to do with the stuff I've written in the past, but as well as the things I'm, I'm writing right now. And so, Ray, I am so deeply blessed by your wisdom by your journey, by the work and the integrity you have among your people, and by your persistent interrogation of the faith that was forced upon you. Yeah. That's how you and I met, right? 20 years ago was with this world Christian Gathering of Indigenous peoples, people interrogating their faith. How do we decolonize this this colonial faith we've been given? Yeah. And I am I, I am so grateful for your work, Ray. So I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time to, to join my conversation today. I want to thank you for taking the time to, to talk about these things with me over a cup of coffee. Thank you, brother. I'm going to go and have a cup of coffee now. (laughs) (laughs) So I I asked you before, like, is there is there a website and you don't you're not on social media, you're not on the website. But there's if people just Google your name, Ray Minyakon, they will find a lot of things about your work and about places that you are
1: yeah i am on facebook and that what's the other one you call LinkedIn LinkedIn. linkedin LinkedIn. okay i don't i don't actually post anything there but i'm i'm thinking seriously of doing something around uh around climate the climate crisis uh because i think that is the biggest issue that's facing humanity at the moment yeah. and at the last cop that i went to uh, and the one before that what they're after is indigenous knowledge because we're the ones who looked after the country, looked after the planet, looked after our lands for millennia, yeah. and I know. And in two hundred years in, in our country here, they've wrecked the whole flaming thing, and now we've got a climate crisis. Yeah, and the, what they're wanting to know is how can we ne- now restore that kind of knowledge, and uh, face in in the face of this climate crisis. Um, and there's so so much around about around that story there mark that needs to be examined by us and interrogated in terms of the ways in which uh, uh, the climate crisis is affecting indigenous peoples and there is no solutions that are coming up we're getting very close in, i know in our area here we're very we're getting very close to the tipping point where the biggest issue for us in this area uh, in the asia pacific region here is the climate crisis refugees that we're going to have to embrace soon yeah. like from kiribati all through the pacific islands there because of the rising sea levels
0: yeah and that's only
1: because of the fossil fuel industry the coal mining and all these other kind of things that are that are taking place we've wrecked the flame in place and they're expecting us to clean it up and the yeah. other thing that they're looking for is and this is something for all of us to indigenous peoples uh, to do they're looking at this whole notion of loss and damage and how much is going to crop going to cost so how much will it cost to fix the flaming planet again. Yeah. They're asking the wrong questions. Well, that needs to be interrogated too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, we could come back. I should have you back for a show in the future and talk with other indigenous leaders about the whole climate crisis. I think it's something we absolutely need to begin addressing more up front. Um, for those of you who want to join. First, I want to acknowledge my father is on, is uh, watching today. So uh Yate, well, my father, thank you for joining. Glad Hi, you will be here today. Um, Ray and I are going to be going over to my Patreon site right after this, and we're going to host a Q&A there. And if you would like to join us for a Q&A on my Patreon site, um, I'm going to put the link into the chat here, and you can go to my Patreon site. If you subscribe to the Ask Questions tier or above, you will see in the feed that there's a Zoom link that you can click to and you can join Ray and I for a Q&A on Patreon. That's going to start up in about five minutes. But, um, Ray, we're about ready to go off here. Is there anything else you want to say before we end here? Any last words you want to give here?
1: Yes, yeah, stay indigenous, stay strong, stay focused, and whatever you do, keep interrogating. Thank you Ray. I'm so grateful
0: for your wisdom and for your for your work that you're doing. walk in beauty my relatives and may we all learn how to walk in beauty together. Hakona. Now, how do you get out of here?